right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast. Very pleased at our special guest today, big time special guest today. Honored to have him on. Such a nice guy. I mean, we started following on Twitter. I mean, everyone knows who Jason Stark is, but he was kind enough to follow, and, and we're doing baseball now. And look, we're meeting here for the first time, except other than some text and DM exchanges. <laughs> right. And thank you very much for your kindness. I mean, you're a giant in the industry, and, and you're talking to a football doctor, for gosh sake, you know, <laughs> as we get into baseball information. So welcome to the show. Uh, David, I appreciate you having me on. I'm, the, I'm a fan of people in our industry who know stuff. You're obviously one of those people, and um, just a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. And look, I don't advertise the baseball side of what I did because what I did in football as a head team position was so much greater, right? But I did work with the Cubs and the Twins, the spring training, you know, and, mm-hmm. and as an orthopedist, there's, there's stuff. But with Sports Injury Central, our idea, Jason, is that we've now added other physicians a former Texas Rangers doctor, other physicians. So we cover not only football, but basketball and baseball. Now, here's my opening question for you. Since we're injury-based and everything else, and you're everything baseball, is it just me, or are there way more injuries this year? Have I not been paying attention? In other (laughs) words, when we cover baseball, I didn't expect there to be this many injuries. And is this an aberrant year, or is this just what it is now? I mean... DeGrom, Scherzer, Bryce Harper, Acuna, Betts, uh, Machado, Tatis, Alvarez now, France, Strasburg. I mean, all these people. Now, maybe I'm a prisoner of being San Diego, San Diego Padres, and my nine-year-old son, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, Tatis was his favorite player, and then Machado, and, you know, all these injuries. Is it just me just paying attention that there are all these baseball injuries, or is it an abnormal year? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked me that question because I, I just wrote a piece of, a week or so ago in The Athletic uh, called What We Learned in June. And I had this theory that the entire All-Star team would be on the injured list by the time we all got to L.A. <laughs> but when I actually dug into the data, it turned out that there actually had been fewer injured list placements this past June and this season overall than there were last year this time. But take a step back. Last year was a different kind of year because coming off that pandemic season, that was a really strange year because it's spring training, long interruption when the pandemic hit, and a really quick ramp up, then a shortened season, then a long regular postseason, actually extra long, um, so we wound up with a, with a shortened off season, and now you're heading into playing from playing 162 again after 60. Last year was really the aberration. There were so many injuries last year because of what people were trying to ramp up to do. You know that like that jump from 60 games to 162 from pitching maybe 100 innings to 200 or. 70 innings to 200, that's really a challenge, as you know. And so I think we're still feeling some reverberations of that. Plus, we have a short spring this year. Mm -hmm. I I would say if you matched up this season with, say, the last 10, this would be on the high side, but it's not the highest. That was last year. Gotcha. And so essentially what you're saying is uh, I do what I often accuse fans of. Okay, if your star player gets injured (laughs) – it's a bad injury week in the NFL, right? And right. it doesn't matter. On another week, you could have eight guys injured, but if they're not starters or your stars, you're like, oh, that wasn't bad. But really, it was worse, right? And so I think it may also be a star-driven thing, you know, where there there has been maybe more stars. Because, you know, I'm not a gambling guy, but, you know, there, this a lot of people use injury information for gambling. But as our staff was looking at it and Taylor analysts, like, after Manny was hurt, it's like, well, maybe that knocks him out of the MVP race for the NL. But really, who was really left? Betts was hurt. Acuna's not there. Harper, I mean, you know, all these people, um, you know, uh, had their own injury issues. And so I think it may be more to the stars, as you point out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a normal thing to do. I actually do think 
uh, somebody who just wrote a first half awards column that uh, Manny's in injury did have an impact. If you really want to dig into the word valuable, where would they be without him? But then he gets hurt. Uh, since he's come back, he hasn't been the same. So we're looking now at quite a few weeks of performance that didn't match the start he got off to versus Paul Goldschmidt. So it's had an effect. Bryce Harper was an MVP candidate. He's not there. Now the next thing is the trade deadline is coming up here in a few weeks, and there weren't a lot of starting pitchers to choose from on that market anyway. Uh, but then Frankie Montas gets hurt. Tyler Malley from the Reds gets hurt. Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs gets hurt. All of a sudden, we're looking at a really thin starting pitching market unless some teams just plummet out of the race here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no no, no question. I mean, okay, so you mentioned Machado. Let's talk about Machado. Look, he clearly came back much faster than we or I expected. That was a great three lateral ankle sprain. I didn't expect him to be back full go until after the All-Star break, based on the severity, about a month. And he didn't go on the IL list, although he was out the 10 games anyways. And when he came back, I should have been better with this. Uh, We should have been better at Sports Injury Central. We were amazed that he came back. But the reality was he wasn't ready, right? I mean, I think in his first 18 at-bats, he struck out like 13 times or something like that. He's done a lot better now, recently. He still, since he's come back, I think 16 strikeouts and 32 at-bats. That's not wow. Manny Machado, right? But 13 <laughs> right. of them were earlier on. And and so, but here's where also, you, you might enjoy the story. I have a nine-year-old son, like I said. He plays, you know, Pony League, Little League baseball, and, you know, two Tatis jerseys, a Machado jersey, a Cronenworth jersey, right? He's got to keep finding a healthy player. But anyways... I go. I said to him and my wife, I said, oh, Manny's up. This was over the weekend. We watch what they're doing to Manny. He's striking out a lot because he can't step into it on his left foot. And normally his swing, he rolls the ankle in a little bit as he powers through. But he can't do that because that's the ankle sprain mechanism. So he has to not step into it as much or roll on his heel. And he, they're getting him out with a low outside pitch. I said, watch this. He's going to strike out here. They throw him inside and he hits a bomb. <laughs> so, you know, it made me look bad in front of my own family. But he is getting better uh, on his ankle. And uh, maybe that will factor in the MVP voting that people see how quickly he did come back, you know, and how valuable he is to the Padres. So in a strange way, it might boost it. Yeah, well, you know, you know, it's, it's about performance and value. But let me ask you a question. Um, because... One of the things that has really emerged with Manny uh, this year, and certainly in the wake of his quick return from that injury, is this is a guy who posts up. You know, he he finds a way to play most years. Those 150 games, 155, 158, 160, in an age when players don't do that anymore. And, you know, there is this post-up culture in baseball, um, I know the Braves infielders talk about it all the time. I, like they, you know, they their infield last year missed the four starting infielders failed to miss. Let's see, they missed fewer than ten games combined. Mm. Okay, the four of them, and so that culture does that culture make sense in the load management world that we live in now? Um, this, I am going to post up, I am going to play, I'm going to play hurt, I'm going to play through this ankle, et cetera, et cetera. You make a very, very valid point there. And, you know, um, obviously the the Padres without Tatis, and, you know, that's another one where we were, I mean, that scaphoid surgery had a bone graft. There was no way he was going to be back June 7th at three months from his injury. And from the start of the season, we said, if you told me as a Tatis fan and a Padres fan that he's back right after All-Star break, full go, I would say take it. And right now, it's a little after the All-Star break is where yeah. they're projecting. But getting back to Manny, and it's really this post-up culture you talk about. This is what I saw and lived with in football, in the NFL, right? 
that's what you did. You played through was, you know, and baseball was always a little bit different. Not that the athletes were soft, but the, the, the teams were like the long game, the long season. And I do see that changing. I mean, it used to be unheard of. Uh, in football all the time, you take an injection to play and, you know, this, that, the other, speed things up. Look, baseball now, it is the microcosm and, and the pressure, and I don't know if it's guys like you covering the sport and people, the information or social media. It does seem to change. And, you know, look, baseball players are no longer baseball body, you know, the joke, right? They're all like, you know, Aaron Judge-ish in some way, right? They're all in great shape now for the most part, and and it's different. Uh, and I think the mentality may be different, but I'll say one thing for load management. In the NFL, we have load management too. You just don't notice it because you only play on third downs if you're injured as a tight end or something or red zone snaps. So you're not playing like – but in baseball, you set out a game and, and the load management is noticed, right? And same with the NBA. But it, the NFL is now 17 games, but when it was 16 games versus baseball's 162 – each NFL game is 10 games of baseball. Right. You get swept in a three-game series, you're unhappy. You get swept in three straight series, there's team meetings, right? You lose four, six straight series, the manager's fired, right? And things like that. Well, the NFL, 90% of the teams lose two games, have a two-game losing streak within a season. So that's 20 baseball games lost. So it's just a different mentality and and I agree with you of course now but I think teams feel the pressure too so return to play is always the player medical and the team they all three have to say yes if the player's ready the medical says yes but the team says let's be conservative you're out right if you're if the team says let's go and the doctor says let's go but the player says I don't feel ready you're out it has to be unanimous but I think there's a intrinsic pressure now in everybody to go, come back a little more quickly including players there's no doubt. Let me, let me ask you about another one. I live in Philadelphia. Bryce Harper, you touched on him. And Bryce Harper has a fracture in his thumb, three pin, three pins placed surgically placed in the thumb. Uh, they come out, it'll be two, three more weeks. And then, like, you know that Bryce Harper is going to try to will himself back in the lineup as soon as he can, as soon as he can swing. And you know, I you know I've talked to my friends in sports medicine, and so I understand the timetable. But broken bones have to heal. You can't just pretend that they're healed. Um, you're also talking about a guy with. I always compare his swing to Tiger Woods. You know, there's, there's some serious thunder in that swing, a lot of torque in that swing, and so a guy with that injury who forces his way back early can he possibly be himself is that a, is that a smart idea well one of the things i always say and, and i'm thrilled that you're asking me questions because you're the more professional guy i'm just you know doing injuries here <laughs> but recovery is never a light switch bruce bryce harper is not given a timeline and refused to give a timeline probably because he wants to come back earlier right we say yeah, right six to eight weeks now, going back to Manny Machado, I got a lot of criticism from people, social media. You said Manny Machado after the All-Star break. Yeah, to be 100%, right? I mean, he's not 100%. Now, if Bryce Harper is trying to come back early, he could be at six weeks or, or perhaps a little bit earlier. But recovery is not a light switch. If we said six weeks, it's not like five weeks and six days he can't. And all of a sudden at six weeks, he can 100%. It's relative. And so when do you pull the trigger? And that's where the player, the team, and the doctor come in to the negotiation. For example, let's look at Chris Sale. We do think he's going to be okay after that stress fracture of the ribs. But can anyone argue that perhaps he's being, if the Red Sox weren't stretched so thin, he'd get another rehab start and hopefully not tear up another clubhouse, minor league clubhouse? But, I mean, he had a bad rehab start, yet they're bringing them up because of the other host of injuries they have to their starting pitchers. They don't really have anybody. 
And the same going back to Manny, they probably left him off the 10-day ILS because he is the MVP of the team and maybe the league. And, and getting that back one game earlier means that much to the team. So I, I think you're, you're right. I mean, uh, it's, it's a lot of different changes happening now. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And, like, I'm, I'm, again, I'm fascinated by how much of this teams will still allow to be in players' hands. Um, do, are players honest? Do they tell you the truth? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, players, I mean, look, the power in baseball, especially with the stars, is more with the players, I believe, than with the teams. In the NFL, it's more with the teams because of the way contracts are structured, although that's starting to change in the NFL, too. Like, in San Diego, I don't mean to just talk about San Diego, but people say, well, Tatis, why didn't you have that shoulder surgery? Well, the team can't make him. He signed a lifetime contract guaranteed. The team has no power to make him do that. Well, in the off-season, motorcycle accident, December, whatever it is. And I've written that it may not be Tatis' direct fault because scaphoid fractures often don't show up on initial x-ray, and it seems like a sprained wrist, and then you're a couple months in and the sprained wrist isn't better. Well, it's a little, you know, social pressure, and it gets discovered when he lands in Peoria for, for the Padres. But my point is, Teams don't have the absolute power that they have because of the guaranteed contracts and the money. The, in the NFL, there's more power uh, the way contracts are structured that flows with the team. And that's changing too. But in the end, I think the players have the power to get what they want. It's my guess and assumption. Manny's been the alpha dog. And by the way, you are correct. Going all the way back to Baltimore when he dislocated his kneecap. I didn't do formal baseball analysis, but on Twitter I saw it and said, that's just a kneecap. He came back quicker. He's always come back quicker. He's the alpha dog in the Padres locker room. And I'm quite sure Manny went in and told management, do not put me on IL. I mean, you know. That's exactly I mean, right. It's 100%. And, and that's kudos to him. But I think players now, especially the star ones with big guaranteed contracts, have more power. Like the NBA, they've always had the power. They could get coaches fired, right? And in Major League Baseball, more and more so, I think. Well, baseball is interesting because it can't possibly be the star-driven sport that the NBA is. <laughs> uh, t- watching Trout and Otani and what that team is going through around them, that's all the proof that you need. There, there's no way that any basketball team that had literally the two best players in the sport would be this bad, would lose this much. Um, and so baseball can only be star-driven to a degree, but then when you think about all the levels on which you still need those stars, uh, from a business standpoint, PR standpoint, and just the, the stability of your team playing the game, stars will always drive the train. And when they insist they can play, I feel like teams always defer to them. And I'm not sure... Like from a medical standpoint, that's the way it should work. It's just a fascinating dynamic. No question. And that's a dynamic that I got involved with a bunch in football. I mean, I rarely ever said this guy can't play. Uh, Okay. If a coach says, hey, we we want this guy to play this week, I wouldn't say he can't. I'd say, well, he's 80% on his hamstring. You know, he's a quarterback. He could give up six points. If your backup isn't 80% of this guy, you know, okay, and you got to play him, but don't blame me if he re-injures it and he's out another four weeks. We wait another week, he's okay. I always usually try to lay it out and, and let the coaches and GMs who get the big dollars make the decision. I'd lay out what the up and down side was of all of these players, and, and we'll see. So a couple other things. Look, I think you're getting an idea of what I do, and hopefully your followers will. We deal in insider knowledge not insider information. I have no sources, uh, Jason. You have the sources. I have no sources. All I do is look at video, look at the injury, look at what your reports and other people say, and then interpret what's happening. For example, we said DeGrom, Scherzer's going to come back before DeGrom, and when Scherzer comes back, he'll be good to go from that type of oblique injury. 
But DeGrom, from the beginning of the season, we had his sixth score, our Sports Energy Central score, before the season started at 62, meaning expect 62% of his output for the season. And right now that score seems high, right, because he's still not back. Um, it felt like last year's injuries from elbow and forearm to shoulder were leaking up the kinetic chain, and I don't know the Mets have even solved it yet. Maybe they have. And I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just saying it's a tough problem. And ultimately, is DeGrom going to be ready? But I'll give you another one. Alvarez, you know, he's been in and out a couple times. And if it is indeed Hamate, I mean, and this is what we wrote. He's now 10-day IL. You're hoping that he'll be back. Sometimes you're better off pulling the trigger. If it is Hamate and there's a stress fracture reaction, Maybe you just get the surgery in 60 days, you're back, and you know you're there for the playoffs and the stretch run. Or do you continue to let the injury leak? Sometimes surgery is the best thing, especially <laughs> depends on the recovery and how guaranteed and, and what have you. We'll see. I mean, in the end, um, you know, uh, another Padre, Will Myers, I said, well, maybe you should have a knee scope because it said he had a flap of articular cartilage. He's been out longer than a knee scope would have had him out at this point in time. So I think those are discussions that a team physician has with the GM and the staff and the player, and you make decisions. But sometimes you're better off facing that. I don't know. if you Do you have any word on Alvarez? Is there any potential? I mean, Alvarez and, uh, and Ty France, with both with the, with the handmates? Well, uh, Wander Ty Franco had the handmates. Oh, sorry, Wander Franco. Sorry, Wander Franco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, I, I, I look. I don't know the specifics, um, and I, those are two teams in very different positions. That you know, the Astros by getting themselves what thirteen and a half games ahead, they've bought themselves so much margin for error that like they can afford to have this guy have his surgery. It'll cost him the MVP award, but he could have his surgery. If, you, if your timetable's right, 60 days, gets them to the first part of September, gives them time to ease in before they get to the postseason, they'll be fine. If he'll be fine, that'd be very tempting to me. The Rays are in a fight just to get there. Um, they're going to lose Wander for some time anyway, but as you said, this is the kind of these are the kinds of questions that teams wrestle with all the time, Doc, team doctors wrestle with all the time, and... You know, it's interesting to hear you say that you allowed teams to make those decisions. I'm sure you worked with teams that made those made those calls, not necessarily with the medical priority at number one. It was it was about their own well-being, number one. And is that what we should be doing well, here? And look. There's no question. I wasn't letting teams or my team make the decision. I was laying it out, and I would lay it out in a way where they would hopefully, and most times they did, <laughs> arrive at the right medical decision, right, in terms of uh, what's going on. And and I think that's what you have to do. You have to give the realistic odds and the up and down side and what surgery would mean. And and here's the other thing, and you brought up a great point about Wander Franco and, Al Wilson and Alvarez. Different teams, different situations. And that's what I always say. Uh, the injury to the running back in week one versus the running back in week 17, the veteran running back versus the rookie, the quarterback. I mean, there's so many factors on every injury. You cannot say MCL means this. You have to say in this player and this thing. If you look at, and this is true for baseball, it's true for football. In the Super Bowl, both starting tight ends had MCL sprains this year. Yet we correctly said one wasn't going to play because of his situation, and one was, but not going to do that well. You know, uh, C.J. Uzama, and and it worked out. So every team handles the situation differently depending on time of the season, personnel, other things. And and you know, going for example, the C.J. Uzama, how is how is a second year head coach? going to tell a veteran player who's been there through the doldrums of the Bengals that he's not going to get to play in the best in the biggest game of his life and just because he's 75 percent he can't do that though there'd be a locker room riot where Sean McVay could have told and did tell Tyler Higby uh you've already played in a Super Bowl we're going to get you a ring I'm not going to activate you for the game 
and that conversation is fine, right? So every situation is different. And Jason, hopefully this gives you an idea too where who we have here isn't just a doctor who knows sports medicine. That's why I say it's insider knowledge of how things work. And that's why, that's why you're so good at what you do. You get insider information, but you also have insider knowledge of how it works. We just deal in insider knowledge of the injuries and try and interpret what might happen. Right. Well, see, it's, I, to me, uh, it's important for people in my line of work to talk to people in your line of work uh, because um, you get a perspective that's outside of the bubble of the team. So you can be <laughs> impartial about every injury every situation, whereas the team only wants you to know certain mm -hmm. stuff. Um, the player may want the team to only tell you certain stuff. Uh, mentioned Bryce Harper. When Bryce Harper had surgery, he did not authorize the team to speak about his condition other than to say he had the surgery, it went well. He'll fill mm -hmm. you in when he gets back. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And so... You, like outside perspective is so important, and that's why you're good at what you do. Is you can provide that. What did what'd you say? Inside insider knowledge, knowledge, not insider information. Right, and that's well, you. Okay, there hasn't been a better year for the National League to institute the permanent DH rule because otherwise there'd be so many people out. I mean, it, I mean yeah. Harper, Acuna, you know, even Machado for a period of time, and, and other things. But for example. Ronald Cunha Jr., after his ACL, we were saying at Sports Injury Central, he's not ready to play in the outfield. Like, sure, he's running fine and the whole deal. He's not ready. So we said he's going to be DH'd. But then he started the season in the outfield. And people were like, oh, you're wrong. And they did it for one game. And he's been the DH since, right? He's just not ready yet. Well. And your guy Bryce Harper in Philadelphia, uh, look, he tries to play through, and he probably is going to be closer to six weeks than eight weeks because he's Bryce Harper, and we'll see, and he'll play through hurt. But let's not forget about that partial ulnar collateral, right? Uh, that uh, that he still has, where he's a, a DH. So there's just many layers to the onion. And anyone who tells you, here's the algorithm or formula for this type of injury in this many weeks, this is why we want to know what kind of player, right-handed, left-handed. It makes a huge difference, right? And the type of player and the position. And those are the factors and the nuances that allow us to give, I think, better analysis. Well, that, that, that analysis is invaluable. So can't can't thank you enough for what no, you No, anytime. Uh, you know, I'm thrilled that, you know, uh, this is our, yeah, I'm kind of the spokesperson for the other doctors. They're busy and whatever. But we consult and try and get good information. And hopefully we're having as much success in baseball and basketball as we are have had in, in football as we try and go year-round. And we're just trying to, look, when a player goes down with an injury, all major media can do is say they left in the second inning. And the, where we do is we look at the, they left in the second inning, and this is what we might think. And then, of course, after the manager or player speaks, we update what it is. And we try and, you know, in this world, we're, we're being a little bit speculative because it's just video analysis. We're not examining players. But... You know, I studied video for 17 years with the with the Chargers. After seeing a guy on the field, on the sideline, in the locker room, the next day after an MRI, before I met with the GM, I had about half an hour, 45 minutes to kill. I'd go up to the video room, and they showed me all the injuries because everyone in the building looked at injuries. And there, I knew the answer to the question. I knew what the injury was, and then I looked at the injury. Now I'm reverse engineering. I don't know what the injury is. I'm just looking at the video of the injury. And so it's... That's kind of how I arrived at this. And I had no idea we were going to do this in there. It was just trying to get better at the craft in terms of what we were doing by studying the video. And the video for traumatic injuries tells you a lot. You know, for some of the overuse injuries, obviously a little bit harder. Yeah, I, you know, I, I haven't thought a lot about the, uh, the video, the use of video in analyzing these injuries. But that's a, what a great point is that, you know, the, the quality of video now, especially the super slow-mo that's so available, that's a game changer for guys like you. Because 
you know, you you can gather so much information just by seeing what happened in as much detail as you can now see it. Um, and there was a lot of guessing that used to go go on about all sorts of stuff and just the way that the super slow-mo has reinvented replay, for example. I do think we've underestimated how much it's reinvented sports medicine and what you can no, do with No it. question. And first of all, thank you for going. We went overtime. I was saying 15 minutes. We probably could have talked for an hour. We're closer to 30 now. So I know yeah, you're impressed. I'm so thrilled that you carved out the time in your busy schedule in season here. And if I can ever help you or our team, you, you let us know. Really appreciate you. Anything else you want to say before we sign off here, Jason? <laughs> hey, really enjoyed this. And, you know, it's not – it's a rare thing uh, – in my line of work, that I, I get to speak in as much depth as we just did about this topic. And I learned a lot. I, I hope I provided some insight from my end, but uh, love these kinds of conversations, and I really appreciate that. Oh, we, we love the great Jason Stark. I'm, we're all flattered for your appearance here. We'll take a quick break and come back with the rest of the Sports Injury Central podcast. All right, let's continue with part two of the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. And uh, Jason was pretty cool, huh, guys? I mean, yeah, that was nice great. He's, he's got great information. Yeah, it's great awesome. information. I mean, generous with his time. I mean, I, I don't even know the guy. You know, he was <laughs> seemed pretty, like you guys did. It was a deep injury talk in baseball and yeah, all, no, it was all good stuff. I mean, you could have easily gone an hour, like you said. Right? Well, here, here's the difference. I mean, he was nice. He said, "Well, what do you want to talk about?" I was like. I don't know. I'm sure we'll <laughs> let's just have a conversation, right? Yeah. And it'll be injury based. And uh, obviously, we didn't even touch on so many different things that we right. could have touched on there. But uh, anyways, Justin, the producer, Taylor's here, Jacob's here, our content guy. So let's let's do it. Let's uh, let's move on from baseball. What do you guys want to chat on? I know we've got a lot of good stories at Six Score Sports Injury Central this week. Football stuff, non-football stuff. We're in the middle of. Uh, to have having started the Scott Fishbowl draft, um, and uh, you know, the picks guys, are in, right? The picks are in. The, some picks are in. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. should, should I should I go no no wide receivers this year? Um, I wouldn't say to do it, but I mean, we might end up doing it. I just say, don't ask me beforehand. If, right? if they fall into it, it's fine. Yeah. But no. so the first my my first fantasy contest ever was Scott Fishbowl ten. And my group was awesome. Stefania Bells and there's some really awesome people in the group in the DM chat. They were all freaked out that it was like, what is this guy Chow doing? He's going zero running backs. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a strategy. <laughs> we just, every time I was about to take a running back, someone else took him. And then I was like, okay, there's no value there. So I went somewhere else. And then the next year uh, in a different group, uh, some people were saying, here comes zero running back guy. And by happenstance, it ended up being zero quarterbacks. Every qu I'm like, this guy's going to be here. He'll be here next. And they weren't. And they ended up zero quarterbacks. And it happened. Uh, luckily enough, beginner's luck, we won both years the league, but got a bye in the first round and then got slaughtered in the second round. So <laughs> Marty Schottheimer, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, maybe I need to change a strategy to go longer, you know, you know, uh, to pick different guys. Who knows? I mean, I don't have strategy. Let's face it. I like you know. I like the wild card strategy of what does this guy know that I don't know. <laughs> That's what everyone you in the got draft that. thinking. You got it. You <laughs> I know. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see. I did draft a quarterback first. I was the pick nine, drafted Russell Wilson uh, in it's the like, first round, and then it's actually uh, a good segue. I feel like I was in the draft room here, hearing you guys bounce back and forth your Scott Fishbowl picks. So I know I know CMC was in the running dock. Is that uh, is that anything to do with Baker being added? Well, I think it has to do with that there's no reason, even though he's had two injury-riddled seasons, there's no reason that he should be injury-riddled this year. And, you know, maybe adding Baker, but, uh, I, you know, by six scores, as you guys see, we were fine with uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. And, um, you know, we'll, and also, I mean, I just play the analytical game like, okay, if we get this guy, who might come to us next? And would we rather have this pair or the other pair, right? I mean, you know, in terms of what it is, I mean, I probably should be a chess guy and, and try and project 
five, six, seven rounds, but just projecting two. <laughs> That's a yeah. couple of years from now. We're only on year three, Doc. We'll, right? we'll get there. We'll get I'm there. just trying to protect what's, project what's in the second round, right? I mean, I can't go seven chess moves ahead and be Bobby Fischer. You know, I, I'm just – We look at the draft board. We stare at it. We, we, we try. <laughs> You stare at it, yeah. you know, uh, whatever. All good. Well, if you do go nor- no quarterbacks, I know it's a slow draft. How slow of a draft does it have to be for Jimmy G to be a super flex option? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is eight hours because there's international people in Scott Fishbowl. So, um, yeah, and I've traditionally been the biggest offender because of work and surgery <laughs> and kids. And, you know, I've often gone the – a lot of people do eight minutes. I mean, they're boom, they're on it. That's the I mean, yeah. I mean, and here's the other secret. I'll let you guys know. Everyone who's watching, especially my my Scott Fishbowl twelve team seven. I guess we are here in yeah, division area seven. division yes. seven yeah. teammates. Hello to you guys. First I'll of all, you know, I don't hi- hide any information. It's all on the website. Second of all, uh, if I and one of the reasons I take longer, even when I sit down, I have no draft board. I don't have anything entered in. Like, this is who I'm targeting here, there, whatever. I feel like there's too many permutations and combinations, and I'm not a fantasy guy. I'm an injury guy. So I kind of look at it when the pick comes to me and well, then try and figure out the draft Well, board. I didn't want to say it, Doc. Honestly, sometimes it's my fault. I might not let you know a couple hours in. So, no, it's definitely not all no, you. But, but, yeah. we, but it's not like we have a draft board list and saying right. who's best available. No notification. We, we just jump right in. Yeah, we don't have. I don't have a, a target list even. I'm just – Flying by the seat of our pants, but we'll see. That beginner's luck is about to run out, I'm quite sure, because we've talked about it too <laughs> Don't much. Don't say that. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Well, i got to get an answer from Jimmy G on you. I'm, I'm a right. Niner fan, so I, arm fatigue scared me on Trey Lance. You know, we, we kind of debunked that. <laughs> it could be a bunch of things that the mechanical changes weren't fully rebuilding his throwing motion. Yeah, I, I think, look, I respect the heck out of Mike Silver and Colin Cowherd, and maybe we'll have Mike Silver on again. Actually, we're due to, and we'll ask him about it. But, you know, it, arm fatigue, you know, in an off season when you're working hard, you you, you may make more throws in the off season than in season, you know? That's so, interesting. That's a good point. Um, you know, in terms of throws and, and the types of throws. So uh, unless there's a structural problem, I don't see it. And I, I was more worried about changing the throwing mechanics because I got to remember my guy Philip Rivers when he came in the league, everyone wanted to change his throwing mechanics, right. and he never did. And yet he's a Hall of Fame caliber guy with all the records and what have you with that throwing motion. And and we all know no one was able to change Tim Tebow's throwing motion. So what did you say? Why they re- they usually revert back, or what's the? I mean, it's easier con. to make a pitching adjustment because. It's a static throw from the same distance from the mound and no one's running at you. Okay. Dynamic play, when you're under pressure, it's very difficult. It's more easier to revert back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about that. We're working on that big story we won't talk sure. about yet. But the dynamic is different in, in sports. And so I, I think that's one of the reasons it's very hard. You can do it 10 times in practice when you know you're supposed to change your arm angle and do this, but what are you going to do when it comes to game time, right? Uh, you revert, especially in the heat of the moment. So I think it's very, very difficult. That's all I can say. Well, we're talking about, uh, just rumors this week and stuff. Any, any credence to the Jimmy Garoppolo to the Bucks following Tom Brady? I mean, every, every, every rumor this time of year is half baked anyways, but. Well, I mean, Don Yee commented a little bit on it and he would know he's Brady's agent and Jimmy G's right. agent. He but, said no, right? Yeah. But the bottom line is this. What we've been saying is Baker would be traded before Jimmy G. Remember when there were reports that Jimmy G's having surgery, but no big deal. He's still healthy to be traded. He'll and throw like, by July 4th, yeah. And then it be, and we're like, no way. And then it's he'll throw by July 4th. And I'm like, Jimmy G can't be traded until he's can throw. And here's part of the problem, and I don't know around the league. I don't care how great you are. You remember during the pandemic, Tom Brady was still trying to meet with Byron Leftwich yep. and players and to try and – he's the goat yet he's still trying to meet figure out get everyone on the same walk in the wrong house yeah (laughs) yeah but jimmy g is he i mean how many quarterbacks including tom brady can just add water in late july and be really effective right 
Now, unless it's a scheme that uses the same terminology that new Jimmy, now, I don't know the, the 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 coaching tree well enough to say where he might fit. But to just put a guy in, boom, without any time to gel with the team and assimilate in a new system, it's tough. So I don't know where he can go and be traded and be effective. I don't know. Well, it seems like a lot of teams around the league don't know that either right now. Well, I think teams around the league are waiting for him to get cut yeah. and yeah, pick him up for nothing. That's the key part right there. <laughs> it's, the money it's a is a key easier. issue, I think. With I mean, yeah. we'll see. Because uh, Fantasy Pros has him as a 32-ranked oh, quarterback oh, right now. Oh, but I don't think we talked about it last week. The Edelman, yes. I was waiting for that, yes. I We wrote an article... I am very much against calling Jimmy G a B blank TCH. Julian's great. I know him a little bit. We're not like best of friends. Uh, he handed me the Super Bowl trophy once. You were in the <laughs> locker room. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll post it, but we have to crop it. He's not yeah. exactly. <laughs> He's not wearing his full uniform. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's long way to put picture. it. Yeah. And, and by the way, yeah. He handed me the trophy, and he said to me, don't you want me in it? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was going to say no. So anyways, uh, didn't want to insult the man. No, but, but, but part of the reason was like he was kind of in his skivvies. I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, yep. it's kind of a, maybe there's a way to yeah, whatever. Photoshop or something. So yeah. I like Julian Edelman, but look, I'm not trying to call him a liar, but in his I Am Athlete podcast – he indicated it was Jimmy G's non-throwing shoulder. He was a guest on the podcast. He was so a guest. Yeah, yeah. But it was Jimmy G's throwing shoulder that had the AC joint. So I think that changes the dynamic. Just for that, um, I get it. I mean, uh, Donnie, you probably did him a solid. As a doctor, I would have said, you can get injected and play. But as his agent, I'd say, yeah, you shouldn't do that because you're not going to practice all week. You don't know how it's going to feel. You started and played well the first two games. You're set up for a big contract. You have a bad third game, and it's because of your shoulder. Everyone's going to say, you just fell back to earth. You're just a guy. And so, look, Tom Brady cannot practice all week and play well. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks. I think Phillip Rivers has done it many times, played through his long injury streak, not practice all week, yet play well. Is Jimmy G that guy? I mean, you know, especially when he was young. I mean, just to be fair— uh, with the Patriots who do change their game plan week to week? Is that really fair to a young quarterback to not play, get an injection on your throwing shoulder, and then play? So, And remember this past season in the playoffs, he played through the ulnar ligament, which we talked about at Sports Injury Central, where he couldn't grip and all underneath stuff. And that obviously has been verified. And then against Dallas, we think he injured his rotator cuff. And whatever that injury was against Dallas in the playoffs – led to off-season surgery, right. yet he played through and didn't talk about it. So uh, I'll hand it to Jimmy G. I think he's tough. I don't think he's a B.I. blank, blank, whatever. I think when we were going deeper in it, I think it was more like you said it was a secrecy thing. They, not a lot of players knew Garoppolo was going to play or not, right? right. So I think Martellus that's what Bennett, Bennett was mad he, like, about. Yeah. He dipped out on Saturday, basically was what Bennett's uh, recollection was, which, which you made a good point. Even if when no one with the Patriots knew when that decision was made, except for Bill Belichick, so <laughs> yeah, and and Bill probably would say, Jimmy, don't tell anybody, right? Yeah, okay, great. We're with, we're fine with you not playing, but don't tell anybody, right? Because uh, you got to keep the secrets in the building. Look, and Philip Rivers had his ACL tear. Our head coach, I mean, it was just the four of us: the head coach, Philip, head athletic trainer, and me. Told the head athletic trainer. Don't make this announcement of his torn ACL at the coaches' meeting before that AFC championship right. game. So, I mean, you know, I, maybe it wasn't Jimmy G that dipped out. It was the perception that he dipped out uh, that got players upset, you know? And so maybe he actually took one for the team there. Mm-hmm. I right, talked about it with Jason Starkler earlier that players and teams want, want to control how that injury information gets out. They, yeah. It's not always in their best interest to put lay it all on the table. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we got obviously other sports going on. It's just baseball, so we're waiting for the All-Star break to coast in. Uh, Open Championship is a, a big one this week in the golfing world. I know we've, we've been all over Tiger since uh, since the beginning. So uh, what, uh, what do you make I, of his chances this week? I'm trying to show Tiger some love. I feel like I beat the man up. <laughs> 
at the Masters well, every, and the PGA yeah. and the whatever. I'm not beating the man up. But you want the good news or the bad news? Bad news first. Yeah, bad news. He will never be 100% or Tiger Woods again, period, end of story. Look at the Sports Injury Central article. Look at the picture with half his calf muscle missing. Not only the multiple surgeries and common fracture and arthritis and limited range of motion, he lost over half his calf muscle, the soft tissue part of the injury, to, quote, save his leg. Likely a flap was done and the muscle was used as a donor. And look at that picture at Sports Injury Central. All the strengthening in the world cannot turn the clock back. Tiger Woods can never be 100% again. That's the bad news. The good news is if there's ever a tournament or major he's going to win again, this might be his best chance, and hear me out. If he's not going to get back 100%, do you want to win a major as a, what, 46-year-old? 46, yeah. Versus a 47 or 48-year-old, number one. Number two, the Masters is very hilly. We can look at the other major courses coming up. This British Open is on the flattest course that I can recall. I'm not a great golfer. So St. Andrews, right? St. Andrews. Yeah, yeah. And it's every five years at St. Andrews. He's won twice at St. Andrews. It's a very – okay, quick little story. I'm a bad golfer. Okay. How bad? How bad? Like I had to fake my handicap to for them to allow me to play St. Andrews when okay. I went there on the <laughs> that's, junk. That's enough. That's yeah. how bad. I get you. Yeah. So bad that I thought they were going to yank me off the first tee. I mean, <laughs> look, do you really want your surgeon to be that good at golf? Okay. So the the first and 18th fairway is a park. On Sunday, it's picnic blankets. Okay, and I, it's the it's two football fields bigger. It's wide. You can't miss the fairway. I tend to slice when I'm nervous. I literally lined up my feet to hit to the 18th fairway, yeah. right. knowing that from the 18th I can still get to the first hole, but I didn't want to hit into the sand or the water on my right. I literally lined up my feet, tried everything possible to hit into the 18th fairway, and I sliced it enough that if I were a left-handed golfer, my feet would have been out of bounds. <laughs> but since I'm a right-hand golfer, I actually made a par on that hole, luckily, but that's how bad of a golfer I am. Right. But let me tell you something. If you ever want a golfing lesson, you should go to St. Andrews. The caddies are unbelievable. They taught me, my caddy taught me how to hit a knockdown five iron against the wind. He said, Look, give me all these clubs. No, Didn't no, no, he get no. mad at you? Didn't he get mad oh, at you? Oh, he was so that. mad at me. <laughs> yeah. So he said, Let me take all your clubs. You, all you need is this five iron. Okay, <laughs> choke up, put the ball here, do this, get the wind out of play. It's, it's dry, it rolls forever, the ball, you're fine. Don't even get anything up. You know, you're, you're killing me here. And then we get to some of these greens. They're like dual greens, right? And literally, I'm telling you, with the wind and the thing, like, I'd say the hole straight ahead of me to the north, let's say. And he literally would tell me to put it due west. I'm like, you're crazy. So I'd split the difference, go northwest kind of in direction, and I'd be way below the hole. And he was getting really mad at me. <laughs> Finally, I started following his advice. And you know why he was mad at me the whole time? And you know why he was so helpful? All those guys bet their tip and their caddy fees, sight unseen on the player. And I was Killing him, costing him all his money. <laughs> and so he was super helpful to me. Like, I mean, to the point where we got into some arguments. Like, you just need to listen to me. I mean, I, I said, I finally told him, if you would have told me that you were this far into it with me, I would have listened to you from the get go. I didn't know. I mean, he had a horse in the race. Yeah. Oh, he had a horse in the race, and it was a donkey. <laughs> he, he, you know, who knows? He, he, he picked a donkey in that race. But, anyways, enough of that. It's a very flat course, and it's very tricky. Oh, and my other thing that was golden, you know, all those middle of the fairway pot bunkers put there for pros and hit. Yeah. You know how I didn't hit a single one? I just aimed for them. <laughs> I purposely aimed for that pot bunker because I know I couldn't hit it. Right. So yeah. it'd go a little right, a little left, a little short, a little long. And so, you know, strategy, right? Yeah. You don't want to be in there for five hacks and try to get out. Yeah. yeah. But Tiger knows this course. He's won twice. He's the only guy who's won twice at that course. If he's going to win one, this is the one. 
Will he? I don't know. I hear that FanDuel odds started at plus 5,000, and then after that was last week, and now he's plus 650. Uh, I, I don't, if he's going to 6,500, yeah. 6,500, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if whatever. Uh, so anyways, that's kind of what it is. Well, uh, since we're we're on the European topic, I don't know how else to, seg- to segue to, to Wimbledon, but it is right there in England, right? Uh, I've had strawberries and cream. I went there. There you go. <laughs> I've gone there. Oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. When you go there, I don't know if it's like this anymore. They have the system there. Okay, I was a poor college student. Went because I spent the summer in London, so I went to Wimbledon. And what you do is you go, and uh, when patrons leave, they recycle the tickets. And this is now it's probably all electronic or something, right? But, right. But it was a paper ticket. They recycle them. And so when you leave, you're supposed to deposit them into this box. And then Wimbledon would resell the seat kind of thing. But when you're a poor college student there, you just sit there. There's going to be some nice patron that goes here. You can go in and see the final you know, set or this next thing or whatever it is. So we got in, some friends and I, to center court and the outer courts. Very cool place. But that has nothing to do with this. But they All, still do this, by the way. Still to this day. They do this? Yeah, yeah okay. I'm reading it right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, yeah. Probably, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Wimbledon wouldn't change that tradition. You yeah. know? But in any case, uh, you know, I certainly didn't see any tennis players yelling at their own box, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. um, but Nadal, like, yeah, we heard about it. You guys did a good job sending me the stuff. Right. And then you, you sent me that shirtless picture with that. Right, Taylor, Taylor was all over that. I was trying to find shirtless something. Nadal. I, he's, he's got that Google alert. So. Right. Well, that right. helped you out, though, right? Because when it you saw did. that, you were like, low. I was like, oh, like, yeah, oh this, yep. is, this is a core muscle injury, and you can't play well with that. And he actually, and we we said that, and uh, I think he would have gotten killed by Kyrgios, but he well, dropped it's incredible. Out. He came back against Fritz, right? Yeah. And yeah. he yeah. said after, yes, he, he basically couldn't serve in yeah. the box because of the core muscle injury. So that, that was huge that he pulled out before, and then Kyrgios gets, gets right in the final, basically. Look, right now, there there has been no announcement of surgery. I was just about to say, it's no a quote, yeah. seven millimeter tear. I think you're better off just biting the bullet. Six week recovery, three month recovery at most. But the and, U.S. Open's out of out of. I don't think he's going to yeah. make it at okay. the U.S. Open. But I mean, it hasn't been announced yet. But I think you're better off perhaps biting the bullet on surgery on that one. But but we'll see. I was doing the research too. Doc says the uh, tennis uh, season kind of wraps up in the middle of November. There's only maybe one or two big tournaments. Remember, one of them is like the team one. So there's like maybe a small chance he maybe waits till January to the Australian Open because that's Australian Opens in the beginning of January. Possibility. I don't know. I don't know the time of tennis. You know, it's not uh, pro tennis doc, right? I yeah, mean, uh, t- we're trying. T- t- yeah, t- yeah, not yet. <laughs> I haven't worked on the tour in any way, shape, or form. So uh, um, for sure, it's a timing thing too. Maybe it's like, well, if I can't, once he figures out he can't make the U.S. Open, maybe he'll have the Target surgery something. then. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, and no one wants to undergo surgery, but it's just knowing what the surgery is and what the return timelines are. And uh, doing a full analysis, so we'll see. He uh, might the, need some rest, Doc. I mean, he had the foot injury that he was numbed. He had the rib fracture last right. three months. He's, he's the, the, and, and that may be how he got the core muscle. Okay, in yeah, compensation. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I think you know who, who knows, but uh, it's been confirmed core muscle. We were right on that, but we'll see on the surgery announcement. Well, yeah, we'll have uh, plenty of Tiger coverage coming up. We'll be following the doll. We'll be following. Following uh, Wanda Franco, Jordan Alvarez, you can find that all at sixcore.com. But uh, it's time for Beast of the Week. All we'll right, get, what you guys got? You got we got a roundtable going up. Everyone's got nominations. So uh, let's let's start with Taylor. Who's your nomination this week? Uh, my nomination, um, Ross Tucker, actually uh, tweeted this out. Our guy Ross. Yes, yeah. yes. He tweeted out um, a child. He was at a little function, I guess, like a choir singing, something like that. I've done many of these when I was younger, too. Didn't do this. But um, um, the, the, the mom was... Uh, Filming him, and I guess we could play the video or see and see exactly what he did. Yeah, he's uh, basically singing, singing, and then uh, does a kind of. It's kind of like a Mac- Michael Jackson gesture. He had to learn it for somewhere. Yeah, right? it's like a rap thing, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this is me. This is where I am. You know, yeah. this is my stage for sure. Um, <laughs> he's establishing his dominance. Yeah, no, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Now the question is, if that's your thing, first of all. That strikes a little too close to home with my little kid, so I don't know that I can even support that. <laughs> You're saying that. Davis did something like this? i got to hear this then. How, how close is this to this? <laughs> I don't know if I should throw him under the bus. Oh, don't not. do it then. Don't do it. I'll ask him. I'll ask him, I'll ask him when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm pausing here. I know. My I know wife you're will thinking get about mad. It. Yeah, yeah, no. If Kim suffice, getting mad, don't suffice do it. it to say, the little kids when they're playing baseball have all sorts of things. Yeah. I don't even know if you know about this one. I'm not going to say it. But right, right. apparently you can say the name of somebody uh, and uh, hold your tongue, and it sounds like something totally Oh, different. yes, yes. We've done that. Yep, yeah. Yep. I mean, I was like, really? You got it? But so I, yeah. I can't go there with that. But – the beast there, if there is a beast, might be the dad. Where do you think the kid got yeah, it from? Yeah. Oh, he I mean, definitely the, got it from the dad. The mom yeah. was filming. The mom was, was horrified. The kid right there. So yeah, she... <laughs> and the mom might have known if he got it from yeah. the dad, yeah, no, right? That's yep. that's why he's so horrified. So yep. so we'll we'll yeah we'll it's a, all right. It's okay, but yeah, you know, we want to be more sports oriented. Yeah. This is a family show. All right. Sure. Well, a little closer to sports. Uh, Justin has one baseball related, uh, semi baseball related. Arguably the best sport in the game. Uh, it's the hot dog foot race uh, in the middle of the Guardians. Royals game, obviously baseball games. They, uh, I'm not going to say, it, but they got a lot of downtime, and they got to fill it with something. So they put some dudes in some hot dog costumes, uh, and then my dude mustard. Uh, there was a mustard ketchup, and I believe was it Heinz mustard or is it well or Acrisure? I don't mustard. think we can say anything DJ about Heinz mustard. right now. I don't know, somebody Heinz, Heinz is topical, but I don't want to say anything. Heinz would have probably pulled out of the race, but no, it looks like so Ooh. the mustard. <laughs> all right, I'm just saying. All right, I'm just saying. Uh, so mustard uh, is in clear clear first place until. His pants drop. Wardrobe malfunction. Wardrobe malfunction. Pants yeah. drop at the ankles. Oh, Janet Jackson. Why yeah. he's the beast of the week? The dude still runs like an additional twenty yards with pants around his ankles, and then eventually he does eat it. Right, so he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't catch up and win the race. He knew he was going to eat it though, right? And he still did. He it, did right? it. He 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 dropped. But I, I'll I, give him. I, I like that one as a beast. Beast of the week. But here's my thing. Yeah. Okay. Just not to be always the conspiracy theorist. Like, and did he get hurt or he, she? I don't even know. Got a lot of padding. Yeah. You know. uh, Spilt mustard. I, I, uh-huh. I, I, I have a hard time believing that wasn't a setup. Yeah. Like the pants around the thing was a setup. You think like, just didn't, came he, out with no belt? Just came had, out with no belt. Uh, he had some the, shorts it, underneath. It, it, so it, it, it might have been planned stage for the entertainment. I mean, you know, look, uh, I haven't been, but I've seen all the Savannah banana stuff. That seems like. You know, I mean, spice up, pun intended, yeah. the uh, hot dog race. <laughs> they have a lot of mascot races. I know the Washington Nationals, they used to do the president races. Right. So you watch them. Yeah, yeah, with the big so, heads and yes, stuff. Yes, absolutely. Like. I, I'm not sh- I'd give that person the beast of the week, but I'm not sure that wasn't staged. I want him to win the race for him to get the beast of the week. I, I like that he was a beast, but I don't know if the week. Maybe. Why are you saying he? could have been a girl. You're right. I'm sorry. I think it was a guy. I think we saw his arm come out or yeah, his head come out at, at the end. Oh, you did? I don't yeah. know. I he, whoever you are, you did a great job. Yeah, Mr. Hot you Dog. Can check Mrs. The, Hot Dog, whoever. Yeah. Check the video out at Six Score uh, on our Twitter page. We tweeted it saying our pro, pro mustard docs expect mustard to make a full recovery after that fall. So, I guess that's you, docs. So. Yeah, you're the pro mustard doc now. Colonel Mustard yep. in the library with the candlestick. So I got a video-based one, uh, but and then I'll say my real one after. So I saw a clip of a fan laying out for a foul ball, and Taylor said he's seen it live in person happen, but... This guy just dove over like two rows of bleachers and went face first into a seat. So that I mean, piece of the week for effort, not for execution. But my real but one. If if you want to go with that guy, I'd say the only way he gets the beast of the week is if he were sober, or like, if he had he a kid in hand. He had have a kid in hand. He, he made a conscious decision to do that. If that was beer induced, you're just you know. Whatever. There's no way he's sober. That's not a. a you're sober not a beast. Move. You're just a guy you're at the just ballpark. Instincts, yeah. Instincts, you know, <laughs> diving. If he's sober, I'd give him the beast of the week. The way he laid out for that. If he had a baby Bjorn backpack in the middle and he made a little dive, I think that that would have been that'd be good enough. You know, right? I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Well, the devil on my shoulders tell me to go with Zach Wilson as the beast of the week. You know, he's the, he's the talk <laughs> oh of God. NFL Twitter. Talk of the world right now. Anyone who doesn't know the backstory, please look it up. But essentially, he had uh, relations, allegedly, with his mom's best friend while he was at BYU. So Bunko Bunko Night's going to be weird. Bunko Night's weird. (laughs) Wait, wait. So, but it started because his former roommate. His former roommate. Wide receiver he's threw to in college. At BYU is a uh, commander's wide receiver now and is dating his ex-girlfriend. Now, did they break up first or no? They broke up first. There was no, yeah, no... Actually, possibly yeah. because of the uh, the rumor that she let leak. It might have been because of that. It might have been. We don't know the full backstory. But. So then she said that the uh, no, he posted a picture. Actually, he posted an Instagram picture of them holding Dax, each other. Dax Mill in the yeah, end. yeah. They were holding each other. Probably like that was probably them saying to the world, "Hey, we're dating." Because I don't think right. anybody saw that. So then after that, people commented on it, and she got mad. Yeah. And instead of just saying, "Oh, this is us," she. She had went something to the, in went the chamber, to jugular. Yeah. yeah, she went immediately. Hey, 
I didn't do this. He slept with his my mom, his mom's best friend, and everybody's like, "Oh wait, what wait, what? Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, there's a few levels of this. No, for, for sure. First of all, yes. Assuming he did, right? It's yeah. not confirmed. Alleged, that's what I said yeah. allegedly. Yeah, he did. I didn't hear that part. I'm sorry. <laughs> While they were going out, I would assume. I would assume so. Or assume after, I, I would assume that's how she found out. Is she so knows. did she break yeah. up because of that? That's what people are... Or, or did she stay with him? These we, are all assumptions. We need her on the These podcast. are all assumptions, though. We need, let's extend the invite too, too to messy. get her on the podcast. Although, although, although uh, I think an, uh, the, the hidden beast probably got reprimanded. The Jets, yes. The equipment manager. The Jets assistant, equipment assistant, manager. assistant equipment manager. Yeah. Assistant equipment manager. <laughs> I think he probably got reprimanded. He, what he, did he poked he, the bear first. Yeah. Yeah. The comment was deleted, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? This is. He uh, said... Um, um, uh, I don't know what's going to be a, more of a joke, this relationship or your career. The, the to Dax Millen. Because yeah. <laughs> the guy was undrafted. It's, he's not a big name. Yeah. So, I mean, know, yeah. know your role. You're yep. the equi- assistant equipment <laughs> right. guy. Look, there were lots of times I was on the sidelines of a game. And me and myself and the other doctor, we might whisper this, that, the other to each other. Right. But not, mm, not on Twitter. No. Well, it, yeah, uh, Instagram, whatever it not, was. Yeah. Not on anything related. Uh, you got to right. stay in your lane there. And he had to look for that thing. I'm sure he wasn't friends with the, the wide receiver. He didn't really yeah. know the girlfriend. It's Zach. So, I mean, I was thinking, like, he went in to purposely say that comment. Right. He was upset. All right. This is all a good conversation. But I yes. have to I have to say, look, as much fun as we have, the whole purpose of Beasts of the Week is to point out some medical things. And when they're in the off season, it's not football season. If there's not, I think it's fun to have some fun. But... There is a real beast of the week this Absolutely. week. And before anyone says, is that even a sport? Whatever. Like, Tour de France, Daniel Oss, O-S-S? O-S-S. Correct. Yep. Ran into some spectators, broke his neck, and finished the stage for the Tour de France before getting his neck evaluated and then ruled out. And if you look at the video, I mean... It happens all the time. I mean, people break their collarbones. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have been to one Tour de France, worked with one of the lead riders. They're just on the roads, and there's no way to fence the thing. It's like a 26-mile race, stage race every day mm-hmm. to fence 26 miles. No way to do that. So there's people on the side of the road, tailgating, there's street mountains, gating. small villages, right? There's oh, through small all, villages. Yeah, it's just a regular road. This is not like Formula One in Miami where everything is closed off. I mean, right. You're just going on a country road and um one spectator the group was i mean so you you, you wait all day and basically it goes whew, like mm-hmm. the whole group goes by and the and you your it's phone impressive. Yeah, you're just waiting there. so yeah. his phone out and he's filming and then he sticks his head out and and you, you got to remember also for for aerodynamic nature i mean you ride with your head down a lot right, right. for aerodynamics and whatever not you know it's a casual sunday ride so daniel also hits the first spectator bounces into the second one in the side of somebody's head Mm -hmm. and does have a compression fracture mechanism. Now, thankfully, he's wearing a helmet. It's probably a non-displaced or minimally displaced wedge fracture. It's not a burst fracture that would cause paralysis. But, boy, that's a real injury. And to have a sore neck and and a compression fracture and finish the stage – now, obviously, you would. Some people would say, "Well, he finished the stage. Why didn't he ride some more?" First of all, he can't ride well like that. Second of all, spasm, uh, adrenaline wears off, spasm and pain sets in. But also, what happens if it happens a second time? He's got a weaker vertebrae. You can't risk that. So obviously, he's out. But I got to give him the beast of the week for finishing the stage. Now, I, what I don't know is, did the other riders hear about the accident? And tradition is. You're supposed to wait Slow if you're a rider. Yeah. Uh, if you're a rider that's in, like, you can't be first place, get into a crash, and then drop to 120th place. They, they, they. There's some code yeah. of honor there. Right. I don't know what place he was in. I don't know if they waited for him at all. But he did finish the stage. So, in all seriousness, Daniel Oss, O S S, uh, bike rider, uh, Tour de France athlete from Italy, I believe. Yes, correct. It uh, has to be the beast of the week. To, yeah, they said to, he needed to uh, do that. Immobilization for multiple weeks. That's why. Oh yeah, he's got a so, cervical yeah. collar now yeah. um, for protection, and uh, it's probably he needs that probably for six weeks. And mm-hmm. but let me tell you something about the tour guys. They are amazing. It's unbelievable. The winning person and the if you're like more than one percent time wise out against like a three day race or something, you're cut from the field. I mean, they are all bunched so close together. It is amazing. You have a little experience there. You went there, right? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Well, year I went there, I mean, met an athlete there, yeah, whatever. 
he actually won his time trial that day mm-hmm. and met him at the finish line and to his little bus van, whatever area, he goes, let's go over to, to his little travel thing. We walked up a hill that was about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet up, barely one flight of stairs. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit out of breath. And he's sitting there. His pulse was like 40. Yeah. <laughs> he just finished the race. Right. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but here's the thing about that. What I learned is that like the big, huge guys and the small guys, they're not that different in weight. Mm-hmm. There's a magic number. It's like 150 pounds. Like the tiny guys, 145. And the big guys, 155. Okay. And the huge guys, sprinters and the huge guys, are 160. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously a optimal right. power to weight ratio for the Tour de France. Science, little, right? Something. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously something there, yeah. uh, kind of thing. But any any sport, any way you look at it, a fractured neck, he finishes, will make him the beast of the week. Absolutely. All right. Well, we might have gone a little long this week, but I'm glad because uh, Jason Stark was uh, worth it, and I appreciate you guys. And uh, if you guys like this nomination format, I mean, we can do live voting next time too. I don't need to decide. <laughs> I just figured. Do a little poll on Twitter. Broke his, yeah. broke his neck. Come on. We gotta, we'll we get gotta you a gavel to too, Doc. You can be doctor and judge. <laughs> he does comment yeah. on all of ours. Yeah. He's your critic on our stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Not a critic. Just commenting. Have, try to have some fun. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Meantime, sportsinjurycentral6score.com. Uh, thanks for watching and listening.